0: Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for uh, gathering online. Um, Thank you for those who are able to be with us in worship and lead us in worship. And this morning, we pray that you might speak a word to us. After hearing the scriptures, we might be inspired to um, listen in and develop some sort of a rhythm in our lives that helps us embody you in the world. And it's in your Son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, again, thank you for being with us online, and thank you for uh, worshiping with us. We're now in our third week of a sermon series uh, entitled Rhythm, or for a better title, actually, Out of Rhythm. Uh, the reality is that over this uh, number of months one of the refrains that I've heard over and over again is that people just feel out of sync like uh, they're not able to have the same rhythms I know that some of our rhythms are coming back but as we're able to get back in work looks different going into meetings with masks on we're still waiting in like spots uh, on the, like aisles getting ready to go and check out you know we still have to wait outside places like Costco in order to get in so that we can get the things we need so even though rhythms are starting to pick up, I know our preschool started back up uh, just like a week and a half ago, and other summer fun things are happening this summer, um, we still feel out of sync. And so uh, Sarah Heath, who's a pastor at Costa Mesa First um, and a friend of mine, we've been partnering together to talk about what can we talk about together collaboratively? We bounce ideas off, and what can we talk about over this time that can help us You know, because we're not able still to gather together in this physical space, as you can tell because you're with us online, and so what might we talk about during this time that might be something that can enrich us? And later on, we're going to talk about the rhythm of gathering and what it looks like to gather, again, as a people, or how might we think differently about that, but also Gathering on Sunday morning is only a piece to what it means to be a Christian throughout the millennia. In fact, we've had a consistent set of rhythms in our lives from communion, which is part of gathering, but then also about prayer, and then also a, a number of ones that we're going to gather that have shaped our lives and that have really shown us, like, what it is to, in fact, live out the body of Christ in the world. And, and so, um, gathering in person is part but there's so many other pieces to what it means to be a Christian. In fact, it's the life of a disciple that makes a Christian. And last week, we talked about prayer and the way that prayer is uh, connected to our life. And and this week, it's a little bit different, but this week we're going to talk about our bodies. The Apostle Paul talks about every body is unique, right, within the body of Christ, but we all come together, And I'll be honest, I have read the Apostle Paul before um, studying it in Divinity School, studying him in Divinity School, and I was tempted to think that when he talked, he talked about this body-soul dualism, right? So, he uses the word, like, flesh and the spirit. The flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. And it kind of created this dualism of our bodies and our souls. And and in fact, I I lived into that at various points within my Christian story. I remember um, people saying that you just got to, like, you know, really work on my flesh because my flesh wants to sin, but my spirit, you know, it wants to do something. So, I, I was told that you need to, like, kind of get your body in the line and into its place, which is really kind of outside of the picture. Um, but then I, uh, I talked last week about prayer, and, and I think this is what stirred in me something different. It was this idea when I learned a new way of prayer, which was centering prayer. Um, I was in a temple in Kyoto, Japan, and um, the priest there uh, talked to me about meditation prayer, and um, he was very adamant. About the posture that I was in. Because the posture set the tone for the prayer. In fact, what I didn't include in my worship uh, or my sermon last week that I had in my notes was that uh, Martin Luther, the reformer from the 16th century, started the Lutheran church. He used to pray like prostrate, just like totally flat on the ground and pray there like that. Because for him, the sense of humility in that form of prayer was meaningful for how he connected to God. There's uh, this uh, growing up in kind of a marginal Catholic uh, family. I, I would go to a Catholic church on a regular basis. In Minnesota, where I grew up, there was a lot of Catholic churches, and so I'd go with my friends, and it was always the strangest thing to, like, you know, genuflect, which is, like, when you walk into the aisle or, like, into your pew and you go in front of the cross, because the cross is in the center of the aisle, you do the sign of the cross, and you kneel, and then you sit down, and you do all sorts of other things with your body. I mean, I was taught during First Communion, um, about how I should hold my hands in specific ways to receive the Eucharist, or that is the communion elements. That you, you had to use your bodies in specific ways, and then uh, when I kind of fell into my faith, um, into the sort of evangelical world, they said all of that doesn't matter because it's just rituals and the bodies. But then as I started to study more about the church and about the history of the church, in fact, we've had a long tradition of making our bodies matter for worship, but then also matter in our daily lives of faith. In fact, it wasn't until um, the philosopher Descartes that we really started to kind of transition away from our bodies as being an important role, that they affect our faith, and this idea that I think, therefore I am, which I'm sure you've heard of, which was by Descartes, and it has set this uh, notion that faith is a, a head and a heart thing, and Schleiermacher was a famous theologian from Germany in the, the late 19th century. He would talk about that as well. The, 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 the faith is out of your heart. is this emotive experience with God. That's why music became such an, an important role within the 20th century of the church. But I think that the, part of that was misguided. It, it missed out on our bodies and the importance they play. And the thing is, is that now more than ever, we're seeing how bodies are important, and loving your body is not a step to loving other bodies. Uh, I, I grew up in uh, Minnesota, but I grew up as, as a, a boy with all the other expectations that boys had. And so it's, on Father's Day, I, this is one of the things that I think about on a regular basis. Um, and I could speak to this on a number of other levels, but I don't want to speak on behalf of someone else, so I'm going to speak from my own vantage point. And I grew up as, you know, as you can tell, I'm not the most muscular guy out there. And I didn't also hit puberty until later on in high school from some of my friends. And so for me, my body, when I was growing up, was something that was always a cause for insecurity. And and so when the church was telling me, you just got to like get rid of your body and go to your soul, that was a good thing because I felt like I was not enough because I didn't make the hockey team because I was too small. I was skinny. I couldn't, you know, bench press 200 pounds like my friends could. You know, my body wasn't what I wanted it to be. My body wasn't what culture told me it needed to be in order to be holy and acceptable and pleasing. And in graduate school, I I talked about, uh, well, I researched a lot about how um, gender and bodies and self-image has a significant role to play in the raising of our youth. I mean, I spoke to it from a male perspective. I felt insecure, but body image amongst women, uh, especially growing up with certain standards of supermodel, slimness and all of these things was even more apparent. And eating disorders, whether it's through the wrestlers in high school or the uh, other people that are just trying to conform their body to be something that they think that they can then have control over life because their body then is the way it's supposed to be. There's so much pain and so much around bodies not feeling holy and acceptable and pleasing. And, you know, I've been reflecting over Black Lives Matter in part because of this thought around our bodies mattering, right? This this faith projection. And over the past weekend, we were at annual conference, and I know for some of us, we feel like we're just so far off and far removed from everything that's going on. Um, We feel a little bit more uh, tense because we've had some more cases of COVID-19, but racism is not something that we think is here in Hawaii. but. When we were gathering virtually with the annual conference of the United Methodist Church, we in CalPAC, Southern California and Hawaii and Guam, we have the most black congregations out of the entire western region of the United States, of the United Methodist Church, that is. And we got to hear from a panel of leaders within our black church communities at annual conference. And I'm so proud of our annual conference, stepping up and setting aside funds for black youth development and also setting up funds to create strategic plans for how we might not just kind of cursory support the black churches, but to really get behind them and let them set priorities for themselves on how we might show them with our actions that we're with them in this. But, but getting back, I transgressed a little bit, getting back to the bodies portion, one of the pastors, and I mentioned this if you uh, listened yesterday to my annual conference update, but one of the pastors, uh, you know, late… 50s probably as a a pastor. He said he grew up on the south side of Los Angeles, and he told the story about um, the reality of his body and his experience. And um, he told the story about how he was just hanging out with his friends uh, at the corner of their neighborhood, and um, then along came a police officer. And uh, the police officer came up, and he... um, Asked them all the youth, they're like 15 years old, right? All the youth to put up their their hands on the police car. Um, They weren't doing anything, but that's what they were doing. And he describes the story of his hands were on the police car, it was hot. And he takes his hand up to wipe his face. And immediately he feels an arm grab him and throw him down. And then choke him until he passes out. 15 years old, on the corner. Being told and passing out. I mean, he was told from 15 years old and earlier than that that his body was not acceptable by the authorities. That's what he was told. The only thing he was doing was being in his body. Epidermalization is a fancy word for telling someone who they are based on the color of their skin. That people in the United States that were connected to feel like they aren't as important because of their bodies. And I began with the the conversation about, uh, you know, my body being acceptable, you know, like, or feeling unacceptable. And that's trite in comparison, but I think it's something that we all can relate to. All of us have body image issues. I, I promise that. I'm sure of it. If you've figured out how to not, you need to come and lead a seminar for us. But that feeling that you have about your body, right? Well, there's bodies that feel that on top of the reality of what culture is placing upon it. Women know it more than I. Transgender know it more than I. Black, brown, all sorts of other colors know it more than I do because I grew up with this sort of privilege of being normal, so to speak. I just have to worry about the image of my body. Uh, The book of Hebrews uh, goes to great lengths to talk about sacrifice. And it goes to great lengths to talk about a sacrifice that's pleasing according to uh, ancient law within the um, Hebrew culture, uh, or the Jewish culture, that is to say. And in that sort of notion, there's a lot of people that have this misconception that sacrifice is about destroying a body so that the spirit is okay. But if you follow both ancient Jewish practice and then also follow the logic of the book of Hebrews, there's something that really is important that happens to the body. The book of Hebrews builds on this notion that Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice that saves us from our sin and saves the entire world and makes it into a right relationship with God. And most people signal that at the death on the cross. But Hebrews goes on, because Jesus doesn't just die, does he? We celebrate another, more important day for us as Christians, and that day is the resurrection. And Hebrews, as well as the rest of the Bible, go to great lengths to convince us that Jesus rose in his body. Thomas says, I need to feel you in order to believe you. And he does. And Hebrews then says that Jesus dies and he's risen and then he goes into the throne room of God. And it is there that the sacrifice is complete when his body goes to the throne room and is there. And I know I'm getting theological on us today, but follow with me just for a second longer. We go with Jesus into the throne room with our bodies. And we go into that throne room and are proclaimed good and pleasing to God, just like Jesus brought into right relationship. And there's an author, her name is Barbara Brown Taylor, and one of these days, I swear, we're going to get to her book, which is Altar in the World, and one of her entire chapters is on loving your body, because your body has already been proclaimed as good and holy as it is now. And she says the most difficult but spiritual practice you could pick up, which I know you probably won't do, but it's to stand in front of a mirror, unclothed, and believe the words from the book of Genesis, that God looked at all that God had made and called it good. Wrinkles, ailments, particularities, all that makes you you is good. And so, for me, how does this practice live out? We can love our bodies in all sorts of ways. And I think it's important to learn to love your body so that you can also love other bodies and respect them loving their bodies. And I know as a father, one of the things that I don't want to do, there's a book called uh, Losers, Loners, and Rebels. And, and it's about adolescent uh, boys and the traumas that they experience growing up um, trying to live into machismo and identity. And like I said, I studied some of this. Um, But as I raise boys and a daughter, I want them to love themselves and to love their bodies. I don't want them to grow up with the pain and insecurity of feeling like they need to conform and to fit in. I want them to be in themselves, in in the unique ways that make them beautiful children of God, and to own that. I want you, I want me to feel that. I don't want to look in a a mirror and think that this is just going to go by the wayside or is continually going by the wayside with every year that goes by, but that your body is a temple of God, And that your body, whether it's brown, whether it's black, whether it doesn't look the way that you want it to, your body is a temple of God and has been proclaimed good. Now, what sort of practices can we instill to live that out? Well, that's exercising, certainly, but you can also do all sorts of other things to learn to love yourself so that we might love others and that we might let other bodies be holy and pleasing to God. I, I know one of the things that um, I would like us to do as a community um, is the bishop uh, has said that one of the things he wants the entire annual conference to do is to begin to talk about race. Um, And I know that's a a difficult thing for us as a a church in Hawaii, but um, we have uh, Griffin Lockett who is up here singing um, and she's uh, passionate about this, and she, back, fact, uh, was in New York, but, like, came, came back right before COVID-19 hit, and then is just sad because of all the turmoil and everything that she hadn't been able to participate in um, being alongside her friends to celebrate Black Lives Matter. But she wants to help us in a discussion around race, and so we're going to start a new book group uh, on the book White Fragility, and that book is going to expose kind of the life of this whiteness to help us then see ourselves. We're not 100% white, but we have a lot of white people within our congregation, and I think it's a good book for all of us, whether you grew up in Hawaii your whole life or whether or not you are here for a couple years on this particular um, station that you have. Um, But Join us with that. We'll send out some more information about what that will look like and um, that'll be an opportunity. It's, available, it's not available in like hard copies probably right now, but you can get digital copies readily. You can try to pre-order copies and have them um, just because all those books are sold out at this time. But I want us to, to learn, to engage in this conversation because there, there are significant groups of people that we're connected to and perhaps we don't know it that don't feel like their body is holy. And it's not just like a body image issue. How might we be a part of this movement to proclaim black bodies matter? But also how do we be part of this movement of God that says your body matters as well? So friends, this is our spiritual practice. Find a way to love your body And find a way to learn to love other bodies and to let those bodies love themselves in whole ways where all of us can go with Christ and sit at that heavenly throne room where God proclaims us as pleasing in God's sight. So I invite you to pray with me as the praise team comes up and um, yeah, let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for giving us our bodies, even though they don't conform to the ways that we want them to, even when they hurt, we pray that you help us live in our skin more holy, to believe that we are good in our bodies. Help us also to listen to those who have been saying for years, they don't feel like they have that same ability. There's these limiting factors. Help us move into a time when all of our bodies can be lifted up to you and proclaimed holy and pleasing in your sight. Or, Moreover, believe the reality that they already have been so. And let us bring that reality on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.